folks, and welcome to Any Crime at All. I'm Coulter. I'm Stacy. I've run out of energy. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> he just got home from work, and I have a fucking ear infection or some stupid shit going on. Like, why do I get sick? Like, everyone else can get sick, but not me. Okay? I don't want it. I don't like it. It makes me angry when I'm not feeling well. I don't like being sick. Okay, rant over. Yeah. So, um, what's new and exciting? What's Anything? new and exciting is the second part. That's true, yes. We were supposed to do this on Friday. But, uh... We ran into some, uh... Some mental issues. health issues on my part. Um... She's fine. Yeah, I'm fine. But, uh... Yeah. So, anyway... Um, so we're going to start with Billy Stafford's background. Billy Stafford. Because last week, as everyone remembers, we got into the background of Jane. Jane. How she married that fucking awful dude, Wilfie. Oh, Wilfie. Wilfie. I just first of names. all, like, really? <laughs> Wilfie, why not? I just keep saying names. That's going to be, I'm just going to repeat every name you say. So you're going to be like the the... You have the main rapper, and then you just have that one guy who fills in when the other guy yeah, has to take a breath. Yeah, ad-libs. Yeah. Him, yeah. Okay, so let's get into this, shall we? Mm -hmm. All right, so Billy Stafford. Lamont William Billy Stafford was born on Thursday, February 13th, 1941. Later in life, Stafford would tell people that he was born on Friday the 13th, because, you know, that's cool. Um, his parents were Lamont and Winnie Stafford, and he was the second oldest of five children. <laughs> Sorry, well, Coulter's scratching his finger right now, and he's got, like, his thumb up, and I'm like, why is he giving me the thumbs up? <laughs> oh. His thumb just happened to be up. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I was wondering what you were looking at. <laughs> he was the second oldest of five children. Later, his parents would adopt a sixth child. Wow. Get it. Um, That's Lam a cat scratching if you hear it. Yeah, he does it every time he drinks. I don't know why. Lamont owned a large, successful scrapyard, so the family was doing pretty well. They lived in a modest home in Liverpool, Nova Scotia, until Lamont retired, and he and Winnie moved to nearby Hunts Point. Lamont was a very strict father. Now, I did go into that Jane's father was strict, too. Yes. But I said right away that there was no physical violence. No. He didn't physically abuse the kids. He was just really strict. So um, Lamont was a very strict father in those times that usually meant physical punishment, though I found no mention of this specifically in the Stafford family. But we're going to see later on that he probably was physically abused as a child. As Billy grew older, family friends said that he became quite abusive to his parents, especially his father. Okay. So that's kind of telling as well, yeah. right? Alfie Warrington was a childhood friend of Billy's, and he recalled that Billy had, quote, always been sadistic, unquote. He went on to relate this memory, quote, We were helping his father, who had bought a bunch of strands of guy wire ends. Billy started whipping them across my legs. I told him to stop because it hurt, but he kept doing it. He didn't stop until I struck him with a piece of metal. After that, he gave me a wide berth, unquote. <laughs> so typical bully, right? Yeah. Once After you, you do stand up to them. them. Yeah. 
Billy was 21 in 1962, working as a merchant seaman. The same year, he married his, girl, his pregnant girlfriend, Pauline Oikel. They were married for six years until Pauline was granted a divorce on the grounds of cruelty. What did he do to her? Now, that was something back then. To be able to get divorced. Is there any information on what he might have done to her? Oh, I'm getting into it Okay, here. because I, I've never, I don't recall that. No. No. No, you, you pretty much just recall the Jane stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Shortly after they were married, Billy started beating Pauline, and this persisted throughout their marriage. Pauline said, quote, He beat me quite often with anything he could get a hold of. A beer bottle, a broom handle, his fists mostly. Okay, so that's a weird edit there. I had to calm the dog down a little bit. You probably heard her. Yeah. Um, anytime cats are playing or anything, she thinks they're fighting and she gets... She's very sensitive. Anyway, so Pauline said, quote, He beat me quite often with anything he could get a hold of. A beer bottle, broom handle... His fists, mostly. I was really afraid of him. So I more or less kept my mouth shut unless I was spoken to. Can you imagine? That would not be me. I can't keep my fucking mouth shut. I treated him as well as I could, even with respect. Even after the beatings I took and my children took, I always did everything that he wanted me to do because if I didn't, I knew what was going to happen, unquote. Now, now, I get it's the power dynamic. Mm -hmm. But me personally, I couldn't be married to a woman and have her only speak when I speak or mm -hmm. things yeah. like that. Like, then there's no conversation in it yeah. or anything. Yeah. I get it's the power dynamic. He's in power of her. He, he's a piece of shit. So, yeah, you're not a piece a, of shit. Yeah. So It's a piece of hot garbage. Hot garbage, yeah. That's a great way to put it. Now, although they were only married six years, Pauline had five of Billy's children. Oh. Why so many, you ask? Because Billy refused to let Pauline take birth control pills. In 1964, when Pauline was pregnant with their third child, Billy beat Pauline horrendously bad. She's pregnant. Yeah. He don't give a fuck. Uh, he had been drinking and everything was fine. Then he suddenly just jumped on Pauline and started punching her in the face, punching her in the face and kicking her. She managed to get away from him and ran outside in the snow to her uncle's house. Pauline was taken to the hospital, where they seriously thought she might lose the baby. She didn't. Uh, but while she was there, pictures of her bruised and cut face and body were taken. She agreed to press charges against Billy, but soon dropped them. When his father, Lamont, begged her because Billy had signed a peace bond, ensuring that he would never touch her again. Why aren't family killing him? I don't know. And I don't know why family does this with abusers. I don't know. You know what's going on. You fucking know what's going on. Why are you... Why? I don't why know. Why are you sticking up for these pieces of shit? So Billy came home and it was only two weeks before he started battering Pauline again. It was after this that the abuse became even, even worse. He would choke Pauline to unconsciousness. He would submerge her head into buckets of water for an extended period of time. Like, to the point where she thought, okay, this is where I die. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's fucking... Isn't that horrible? Billy would bite Pauline so hard that at the writing of this book, she still had... 
like scars all over her body from him biting her. Like breaking skin biting her. Well, obviously there's scars all like, over the body. Like what the fuck? What are you, a rabid dog? Whew. He even took his anger out on the children from the time they were six months old. Six months old. If the baby cried when it was put to bed in the crib, Billy would beat the poor child right there in the crib. The baby soon learned, these six-month-old babies soon learned not to make a peep when they were put in their crib. Oh, my. Isn't that fucking disgusting? Do you think... Oh. Do you think he would have graduated to something much worse? Yes. Had he not been stopped? Yes. And we will... I don't want to give anything away right yeah. now. I will remind you when we're done recording because I know you know it, but I'll remind you about it. Do you think he did kill someone? Well, it said in the first part that, yeah, he threw that dude over the boat, remember? Oh, shit, that's right, that's yeah. right, yeah, okay. Over the boat. Would I just go right back down east? Or Well, that's where this is. Yeah. takes place, so you're yeah. in the mindset. Yeah. Billy was especially cruel to his second eldest child, Elizabeth. He would force her to stand against a wall outside while he threw knives at her. This is a child. Or when she was very young, he would make her sit outside at night alone. The poor girl, even at the writing of this book, was still terrified of the dark. Oh, and she was man. an adult. But you can't blame her. I mean... Jesus. Those poor kids. Oh, I, I just... I can't fathom it. You know? I... Oh. After every beating, after every abuse against the children, Pauline would swear to herself that she was going to leave. And I know a bunch of people are probably saying and have said about abused women before, why didn't you just leave? It's easier said than done. Um, it is so hard for a woman to leave an abusive relationship because of fear. Because they don't just threaten you, they threaten your whole family. You leave me, I'm going to kill your parents. I'm going to kill your brothers and sisters. You know, that kind of stuff. Finances, he had control of all the money, obviously. He controlled whether she took birth control pills. He controlled whether she talked. So I'm sure he had control over all the money. Yeah. She had no money. And nowhere to go. Right? She's got five fucking children. Yeah. She's got to bring with her. And, and uh, her family clearly isn't stepping in. Clearly. Or they didn't know about it. Maybe. Well, the uncle but certainly actually, did. Actually, the night that he beat her when she was pregnant, he had been drinking with her mother. Yeah, and so, then she ran to her uncle's. Mm -hmm, that's true. Yeah. So the family did know. But it was different back then. And even nowadays, you, you can't force someone to leave it no. has to be on their terms when they want to leave i mean killing them that's what oh, i'm talking yeah, about for sure yeah there's that option um <laughs> there's also shame and guilt involved of course in of it course. too right so in 1968 pauline had a visit from her cousin who lived in ontario this cousin realized exactly what was happening in the stafford household pretty much right away and they offered pauline a place to stay should she decide to leave this fucking asshole? 
A few weeks later, Billy was preparing to go to sea when he took their youngest child, Darlene, to the backyard, made her lay on her stomach. Sorry about that, guys. Forgot to turn my fucking phone down. Um, yeah, so we took their youngest child, Darlene, to the backyard. Now, Darlene would have been quite young at this point, okay, because she's still with them. They were only married for six years. Yeah. This is her fifth kid. Um, made her lay on her stomach and beat her with a wooden rocker from a rocking chair all over her buttocks and legs while he held the child down with his booted foot on her back. He beat this child so much that she defecated all over herself, this poor little thing. Yeah. Then he picked up his bag and Pauline ran to kiss him goodbye. The rest of them would have been beaten had she not done this. Yes. And she knew this. And told him she'd see him in two weeks. She left. When Billy returned, he found his family had left. When no one would tell him where they were, Billy beat up Pauline's mother. But she refused to give him any information. By 1971, Billy was living with another woman, Faith Hatt. This relationship only lasted two years because of Billy's extreme cruelty. Faith said, quote, For no apparent reason, he would take hold of me and pound me with his fists. You never knew. He could be good one minute, and the next minute, just snap. He actually frothed at the mouth when he came at me. He was a rabid dog. Yeah. Like a mad dog, she says. There were occasions that he beat me when he wasn't drinking, but most of the time it was when he was drinking, unquote. So, I'm just going to say this because I don't give a fuck about him. But my mother's oldest child, Paul Croswell, if he's out there anyway, anywhere, if you happen to hear this, man, I hope you're doing real fucking bad. Anyway, uh, he was like that when he drank. Yeah. He'd just be all jovial and everything one minute and then freak the fuck out the next. Ah, fuck, I should have killed him when I was young. I'd be out by now. Anyway, <laughs> um, two years into the relationship, Faith was a complete nervous wreck. Because you're always walking on eggshells and shit, right? Yeah. You never know what you can and can't say or do. And she decided she had to leave Billy. Then she found out she was pregnant. And she uh, wasn't sure what to do. Uh, well, leave. Yeah. Like I said, the no, I know. fucking time, right? I, I but, know, I know, and the mindset and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Then Billy came home from the sea one day, and Faith's decision was definitely made. That night, he got very drunk and beat the holy hell out of Faith. Then he began to choke her. Faith managed to get away from him, because he was pretty fucking inebriated, right? She ran outside and down the street with Billy chasing after her. She managed to elude him and stayed with a neighbor overnight. The very next day, Faith's family pooled all of their resources that they possibly could and sent her to live across the country in Calgary. People are, like, leaving provinces to get away from this guy. Right? Like, Fuck. something has to be done. So now she did have the baby. She named the baby Rodney. And seven years after she left, she got a job in Nova Scotia, so she moved back. Yeah. She saw Billy one, uh, once at a stoplight. And he was talking to her, hey, how's it going? You know, I'd really like to see Rodney sometime. He met up with Rodney once and never, never seen him again. He never paid 
Okay, anyway. Yeah. By the time Billy Stafford was 33 years old, he had two failed relationships behind him and six children that he never saw or even supported, ever. A lot of people in Liverpool and surrounding areas were scared of him because, as you may have deduced, he had a terrible reputation as a bully, and bullies always prey on the people who fear them. Yep. Jimmy LeBlanc was a 20-year-old merchant seaman who had a oh very... God, that is such an East Oh, we Coast didn't talk man. about that last time. We talked about it this time. Jimmy LeBlanc? Yeah. Um, I sort of gave something away. Sorry, because I thought we talked about it the last time. Yeah. Fuck. No, we did. We talked about Jimmy. Did I read Billy Stafford last time? Did I go into Billy's background last time? No, you didn't go into his background at all, but you talked about Jimmy. Okay. Uh, if, is it the same Jimmy? Um, her, did, I, did I do this twice? Her uncle? No. Her uncle's friend, Jimmy? No, different one. Okay, okay. No, different one. Okay, so I did sort of give something away. Sorry, guys. Jimmy LeBlanc was a 20-year-old merchant seaman who had a very healthy fear of Stafford. On the night of February 14th, 1974, the two men were on the same ship out at sea when Jimmy mysteriously went missing. In the official reports, it was stated that Jimmy LeBlanc either fell overboard or he jumped. Years later, however, Billy bragged that he tossed Jimmy overboard after the two men had had an argument. Now, you never know if this is true because... He could just be trying to show off. Yeah. Myrna LeBlanc, Jimmy's mom, always had the suspicion that Stafford was responsible for her son's death. She recalled, quote, When I heard about Billy's death, I looked up at Jimmy's picture on the wall. It was almost as if he was smiling. Revenge at last, unquote. So, kind of a spoiler alert there. Billy dies. Well, yeah. So now that we've talked about Jane and Billy's early lives, let's explore their life together. Their first few months that Jane was living with Billy could be described as idyllic. He was sweet and charming, and Jane said she felt the safest she's ever she ever she had ever felt with Billy. Mm-hmm. Sheep in wool's clothing. Yeah, he was sweet and charming. <coughs> oh, I already read that. Sorry. The I only coughed. negative at the time was that Milfy had the boys, and he would not even let her sons say the name "mom" in his house, let alone let them visit Jane. And because it was back then, he got the kids. She didn't get the kids. Well, the grounds were of her infidelity, too. Exactly. So that's how she got away from him. Very true. Even um, though he was cheating like a bastard. Yeah, never home. But even with this, Billy reassured her that she would eventually have her kids back. So when Billy wasn't working out at sea, he would always keep himself busy with odd jobs here and there, and he would go, quote-unquote, visiting. Which, I'm here to tell you guys, that's actually a thing down east. Visiting is like the biggest thing to do down yeah. there. Yeah. You don't even have to go like over to drink or anything. You just go over and have a cup of tea and visit for a while. And, and then, then go you to go the to the next, next house. And yeah. Everybody's just giving free shit away and yeah. taking free shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he always took Jane with him. She loved this because, as we found out, Milfy never fucking took her anywhere. Uh, now... I did put this in here. With some men, this is truly done out of love. Like, yeah. I just, you know, I want to show you off. I want to be with you as much as I can. You know, that kind of thing. However, for others, this is a way to keep an eye on his possession. Yes. 
In March of 1976, Jane went to visit her parents while Billy was at sea. She was driving Billy's 440 Dodge Monaco, which I looked up and holy fuck, what a boat. Nice car, but boat, man. When she hit some black ice, spun out and hit a telephone pole. The pole snapped right in two and the top part with the transformer hit the top of the car. Just crushed it. Oh, wow. She was unhurt, though. Quite shocked, <laughs> but unhurt. Um, as you might have guessed, the car was a write-off and Billy had no collision insurance. The day Billy got home, Jane went to meet him at the wharf to tell him the news. Somehow, he already knew about it. And she said, like, how do you know? And he goes, oh, I just had a feeling. But do you think maybe, like, people were radioing to the boat? Like, yeah, Billy's car just got totaled, you know? Must be. Like, and he's just making it out like, oh, I just had a feeling about it. Like, fuck you. Like he's some kind of god. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Anyway, uh, he said, quote, don't worry about it. I can always get another car, but I can never get another you. Unquote. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, fucking wipe up that syrup, you fucking pig. Anyway, um, yeah, what I, I just... <clears throat> when they got home, Billy showered, then went and bought Jane a dozen roses and a pair of garnet earrings, her birthstone. Just laid it on thick, eh? Yeah. Not long after, the couple moved into a big house that Jane fixed up all on her own. New paint and wallpaper, some new furnishings, and she made a very homey house for them. This house hadn't been lived in in 20 fucking years. I'd seen pictures of it. Yeah, and she fixed it up all on her own. Um, yeah, that must have been quite the fucking job. Now, although Jane was tremendously happy, she did feel ever-growing guilt about not having her boys. And it was imminently worse when Billy was at sea. Because she was so lonely then, right? So in an effort to make herself feel a little better, Jane got a miniature poodle. A little black puffball that she named Blue. Mm -hmm. Because in the direct sunlight, he looked blue. Yeah. Yeah. That look on your face, Colt. Not long after moving into the big house, Billy discovered that Jane was taking birth control pills and he asked her why. She explained about the complications after giving birth to Jamie and that the doctor had recommended she not get pregnant again after, uh, yeah, after Jamie. Billy said... That's what happened with Nan after you. Yeah. Billy said he'd prefer her not to take them and just to let nature take its course. Jane, though, wasn't so sure. She was pretty scared of having another baby. So Billy made the decision for her. He threw the pills in the garbage and that was the end of that. Then in August 1976, Jane missed her period. She went to the doctor a few weeks later, and it was confirmed that she was indeed pregnant. pregnant. Now, she worried a lot during the pregnancy. She had um, this thing, this antibody or something like that, or her blood type gave like antibodies to the baby so she would have to go get her blood checked all the time to make sure the baby was doing okay. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But her something like that. Her being pregnant here mm -hmm. reminds me of a scene from the the movie. The movie and I'll t I'll tell it after. Okay. Um she was worried for her and the baby's well-being, of course, but her other worries were more focused on Billy. Though they never actually got married, Jane did change her surname to Stafford. So now that she bore his name and was carrying his child, 
Billy obviously believed he fully owned Jane, and his attitude began to change. The real Billy, the Billy that Jane had yet to witness, was slowly coming out. As the pregnancy progressed, Billy became more threatening and verbally abusive towards the woman he once swore to protect. Jane was confused and hurt. She couldn't understand what happened to make him like this. And of course, like any person would, you start questioning yourself. What did I do? Yeah. You know? On May 30th, 1977, Jane gave birth to an eight-pound, nine-and-a-half-ounce baby boy that she named Darren Edward Stafford. That's a big baby. That's about how big your cousin Jake was, actually. See, I remember the scene with him coming in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he's smoking and yelling and screaming. Yeah. After the birth, Jane hemorrhaged again, so the doctor advised her to have a tubal ligation. This is... Uh, when the fallopian tubes are cut, tied, or blocked to permanently prevent pregnancy. Uh, because giving birth again might actually, literally, be the death of her. And maybe the kid, you never know. Yeah. Now at this time, a woman needed her husband to sign the consent form in order for her to get an operation. Okay? I put, yeah, 1977. Not actually that long ago. Well, uh, well women were only considered human beings in like 1929. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Billy was at sea. So they determined to have him, uh, sign when he got home, but still gave Jane the operation. Billy got home the day after the operation and he was snarky and snarly as per usual. He told Jane that since it was a boy, cause he wanted a girl, she could look after him herself. He was going back out to party. This is when Jane told him about signing the consent form. His response was, quote, Fuck that. You expect me to sign for an operation that makes you no fucking good anymore? No way, old woman. No way. Remember the old woman shit? Yeah. That's what he called her now. Don't call me until you're ready to come home. And I'm sailing on Wednesday. So make sure you're home by then. Unquote. Makes you no good anymore. What a piece of fucking shit. Jesus. It was the following Tuesday that Billy picked Jane and Darren up from the hospital. Of course, he was in a bad mood. That seemed to be par for the course. Par, par for, for the, the course. <laughs> par for the course nowadays. Jane asked if she and the baby could stay at his parents' place for a couple weeks as she was still healing from childbirth and the operation. Essentially, Billy said no and that it was she who agreed to the operation and that she better start keeping house and looking after her little bastard. Upon arriving home, Jane was shocked by the mess of the place. Empty bottles were everywhere, cigarette butts all over the tables and floors. The floors were sticky from spilled drinks. There was puke all over the bedroom from Billy. And Billy had been using a bucket as a toilet. They had no indoor plumbing. There was an outhouse, and water had to be carried in by the bucketful, and clothes, linens, etc. had to be washed by hand. Billy yelled at her to put the little bastard in his crib and get to work. Jane asked if he would please go get her a few buckets of water from the hand-drawn well. He replied, quote, What the fuck is wrong with you? Crippled or something? Get your own fucking water, unquote. 
Now, remember, Jane had stitches from her operation and was supposed was not supposed to be doing anything strenuous, heavy lifting, nothing like that, right? Yeah. As everyone knows. With all the cleaning she had to do, Jane still had to make dinner, care for Darren, and make baby formula. She only got done at around 10 p.m. And they got home, like, in the morning, right? Yeah. <sighs> After Billy went to sea, Jane visited his parents. She told them how Billy was acting towards her and the baby. Winnie, Billy's mom, told her to just give him time. After all, he had to adjust to all the changes. Now, regarding this, my thinking is that they must have known how he treated Pauline and the kids and later Faith, right? Well, they, they, they had to have known. They knew about the beating, the one beating because of the peace bomb. Exactly. But on the other hand, people didn't really discuss their personal lives then, especially the older generation. No, not really. But I don't know. Upon returning from the boat only two weeks later, Billy demanded sex from Jane. She protested because women aren't supposed to have intercourse for six weeks after having a baby. Yeah. Um, uh, and she still, uh, she had just gotten her stitches removed from the tubal ligation. He said, quote, go into the bedroom and strip. I want to screw you. I haven't touched you since you started getting big and now I want it, unquote. Out of fear, she did as she was told. She said it was extremely painful. Yeah. Uh, when he saw her naked, Billy mocked her appearance and called her a hard-looking mess. He remarked that the only good thing was that, quote, your tits got bigger, unquote. Oh, my God. Yeah. Less than a month later, their landlady asked them to move out. Now, Jane knew a nice lady named Margaret Judry, whose husband, Stan, happened to be a friend of Billy's. They gave the Staffords a piece of their land in Bangs Falls, just up the road from where they currently lived. They built a house and officially moved, uh, moved in there in August of 1977. Jane then got a job at an old age home, and all her money went to bills and necessities for Darren. Did Jane build the house herself? <laughs> Probably. When she did end up with a little bit of money left over, Billy would steal it from her, then gaslight her when she asked if he took it. In just a year and a half, Jane watched as her attentive, loving, common-law husband turned into a verbal, verbally abusive man. Soon, he would escalate to physical violence, yep. because as we've learned, that is his way. When Darren was about six months old, Jane took him to town with her to run some errands. On the way home, she was getting home a little bit late, right? So on the way home, she picked up some KFC for dinner. Billy and a friend of his, Richard Coombs, had uh, been installing kitchen cupboards. So Jane didn't want to get in the way by making dinner and stuff either, yeah. right? <clears throat> when she got home, Billy demanded food and Jane could see he'd been drinking. Jane served up the food for everyone and that was that. Or so Jane thought. Well, you can't cook for me? After Richard left, Jane cleaned up then went to sit on the veranda. She beckoned Billy to come join her. He did. But he grabbed her by the hair and dragged her into the house. He then called her a slut, a whore, everything that you could think mm -hmm. of, right? And accused her of giving Richard the eyes and trying to impress him by bringing home chicken. What the fuck? <laughs> Just any excuse to be a dick. By bringing home old greasy chicken. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Oh, I don't mean to laugh at the abuse. I'm laughing at the chicken thing. Yeah. And just the fact that 
he uses any fucking excuse. Like, uh, yeah. Billy then began to punch and kick Jane. Later, she said that was her first real beating. Uh, and she didn't know what she'd done to deserve it. Yeah. The next day, Billy was sorry and swore it would never happen again and blah, blah, blah. But it did happen again. Every time he had a, a male friend come over, Jane would be beaten and accused. It So every time she saw someone... It got so bad that she would stay in her bedroom. But he would still do it. Even if she didn't see who the fuck was out there. He'd still accused her and beat her for it. <sighs> That's just an excuse. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> it was around this time... She's like, I didn't bring home any chicken. Right, yeah. It was around <sighs> this time that Billy got, <clears throat> pardon me, blacklisted from the boats in Nova Scotia because he punched out and held a knife to the first mate on a scallop digger called Kathy and Susie. <sighs> I just wanted to put the name of the boat because... The Kathy and Susie. Uh, I don't know. I like it. The RCMP charged him with assault and came to the house to serve him papers. Billy slammed the door in their faces. Then when they were walking back to their cruiser, Billy pointed a loaded rifle at them. And they saw this. Like they fucking remember in the movie, yeah. they scurried to their car and got the fuck out of there. So you can see right now that even cops are kind of scared of them. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, so there's uh, a guy who shouldn't have a gun. Yeah. When it, however, when it came down to it, no one would testify against him, so the charges were dropped. Everyone's too scared of him. Like, what if he doesn't get any jail time? What a bunch of idiots! What if he does get jail time and then gets out in like six months? You know, like, yeah. Billy started getting EI, or unemployment insurance, employment insurance, however you want to say it, and he stayed home during that winter of 1977-78. He told Jane that since she was working, he didn't need to. And anyway, she owed him $3,000. She asked, how did she owe him three grand? He replied, you remember when you smashed up my car? Oh my God, he's bringing that back. Well, that's how much it was worth. Now start paying. Billy taunted her with that debt from then on, and according to him, Jane never did pay it off. <laughs> oh my fucking God. Fucking guy, eh? Yeah. Now, Jane worked, but Billy would not babysit Darren. Thank fuck. So she hired a couple named Marie and Morton Judry to look after Darren. The little boy absolutely loved them. He called Morton Daddy. And he called uh, Marie, Mama Marie, or Mommy Marie, something like that. Um, it says in the book that years later, Morton died. And little they went to the funeral, of course, and little Darren was just beside himself. Oh, yeah. Like, he was 11 years old or something like that when Morton died, and he was just heartbroken. Um, but when it came time to go home, Darren would run and hide and cry and then as soon as Jane said something like, come on, daddy's waiting for us, then he'd get fucking terrified, grab his coat and hat, and go run in the car because he was terrified. If they were late, there was going to be trouble, right? So now I have this little thing to read, okay, Colt? Yep. This is um, Jane saying this. Quote, 
Darren was just something to be abused and used and taught to make it through life as a man from the day his feet could touch the floor. He could laugh when he was only when he was told. Uh, he could talk when Bill told him to. Being a man, he couldn't cry. If you've gone through that from the time you were about six months old, it's like brainwashing. Through the middle of the night, as any baby does, he would cry, and I would get up to feed him. Well, by the time he was six months old, sound familiar? Yeah. I wasn't allowed to get up and go to him. Bill used to go to the crib, and I'd never hear another word. I used to wonder all night long, is he dead? There was, and she wasn't allowed to get out of the bed, right? So there was never a sound uh, came out of there. He didn't cry, unquote. When Darren was about three years old, Jane was outside working in the garden when she heard Billy hollering, quote, our bedroom was in the front of the house and he just stuck the gun out the window and he fired a shot. It was close enough to me that it lifted the ground up beside me. Get in here, old woman, he shouted. You've got a mess to clean up. Unquote. Jane went quickly into the house. Billy was standing in the kitchen, his face flushed. Quote, it's in there, he said, pointing to the bedroom. Jane entered the room. Quote, it was like a nightmare. My little boy was lying on the bed naked, and his body was covered in welts from his neck to his feet. Oh. Unquote. Billy had broken a piece off a mop handle and used it to beat the child. Darren was trying unsuccessfully to stifle his sobs, his tiny body quivering like a wounded animal. He had defecated during the beating and there was blood and feces all over the bed and floor. Darren lay on the bed quivering. Jane began weeping. Billy heard her, came into the bedroom and punched her in the face. Quote, get this fucking mess cleaned up, old woman. We're going out. Get the kid dressed. He's going too. Unquote. I'll just let you guys sit on that for one second, because holy fuck. Can we be done? Almost. During the winter of 1978-79, Billy found work on a Canada Works program in Buckfield, a few kilometers north of Bangs Falls, where they currently lived. Then, in 1980, since he couldn't work on boats in Nova Scotia, he got work on an Irving oil tanker out of St. John, New Brunswick. Now, um, for anybody who doesn't know, Irving is like all over the East Coast. Every, every gas, pretty much every gas station you see is Irving. You remember that, yeah, right? I, yeah, I do. Um, then later on, the same company's gypsum boat. Now, I wasn't quite sure what gypsum was, so I looked it up. It's a soft sulfate material. It is widely mined and is used as a fertilizer and as the main constituent in many forms of plaster drywall and blackboard or sidewalk chalk. I didn't know that. That's what gypsum is. Really? On that trip, Billy was supposed to stay at sea for three months, but he quit after just one month. Apparently, he got in trouble for drugs on board the ship, which makes sense because he came home with a shit ton of drugs. Doesn't say what kind of drugs. I'm thinking probably weed and shit like that, yeah. you know. This is when he told Jane that he would never be working again and that his friend Ronald Wombolt, a fucking raging alcoholic, would be moving in with them. Of course, Jane had no say in this because Jane had no say in anything. Yeah. To pay for his lodging and such, such Ronald, or Ronnie, as uh, Billy called him, 
became a virtual slave for Billy, not to mention the fact that Billy often physically and verbally abused him and even shot at him once. Take that fucking gun away from that fucking psycho. Jesus. Uh, once, Darren fell off a chair and his little mouth hit the table. His top teeth went right through his lip. Oh, Billy man. wasn't home at the time. He cried and bled profusely. When Billy got home that night, he woke Darren up and asked him if he cried. This fucking guy, man. Darren admitted that, yes, he did cry. So Billy punched him in the face three times and told him never to cry again. Billy would pick Darren up by the hair. He held a butcher knife to his throat, held the child upside down and pointed rifles at him. During mealtimes, Darren could not even hold a cup without trembling if his father was present. Billy expected the boy to eat as much and as fast as him. If Darren couldn't keep up, Billy would force the food down his throat. If the child threw it up, his father would scoop it back on the plate and make Darren eat it all because there was no wasting food in his house. Oh he wasn't paying for the food, mind you, or the fucking house. But, you know. Now, Darren had toys, but he wasn't allowed to play with them. At Christmas, Darren wasn't even allowed to open his own fucking presents. Billy would open the presents then put them back under the tree, and Darren was not allowed to touch them. He would just sit there and look at them. This breaks my fucking heart. Mm -hmm. Like, all of it breaks my heart, but can you imagine that poor, sweet boy? The one good thing of the year for this kid, and he's still not allowed to have yep. it. Yep. Oh. oh my God, this is hard to take. Yeah. Billy would either give his presents away, run them over with his truck, or throw them away. Darren was only ever happy when his father wasn't home. This is where we're going to leave okay, it for good. now. Okay, good. Thank God. Because this is a lot. And it's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. Um, yeah, so this was a pretty rough one, guys. So, ugh. I'm really sorry for all that child abuse stuff and physical abuse and just everything this fucking man has ever said or done that I've mentioned today. I'm sorry for it, but it's part of this terrible story. Oh, deep breath, Colt. Shake yeah. it off, buddy. Shake it off. I've done some deep breaths already. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to give you a day that the next one's going to be out because I never know what's going to be going on with us. So, next few days. Yeah. Part three. And Coulter was saying that he wants to input some of his little funny ones here and there too, again. Yeah. We got off track there for a while, but I think we're good again now. Well, just to, you know, I'll give you a break. Well, thank you, son. That's All that shit. Awfully lovely of you. Okay, so that is it for today. Uh, I hope it wasn't too, too hard on you. Go fucking take a hot peppermint bath after this, man. Do something. Because, <laughs> yeah, get rid of all the negativity. Um, do you have anything to add, Coulter? Just that you, after hearing about Billy and what he's done, you got to watch out for people because... People are capable of any crime at all.
You hate when I say people twice, don't you? I do. <laughs> it bothered me. On that note, with this fucking anal retentive motherfucker over here, we'll we'll see you soon, and we love you, freaks. Bye.